0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special live edition of the SAP Learning Insights podcast. We are live with an event on the SAP community and looking to get some live audience interaction on this topic. If you aren't too shy, today's topic is a good one. In the spirit of SAP Learning's digital skills initiative to get more people considered to be underrepresented into the tech industry, I wanted to talk about strategies and tactics for people who find themselves in a disadvantaged or underprivileged position in life. What can they do to climb the socioeconomic ladder? Um, at least uh, specific to North America. So we're going to talk about some other similar topics for other countries, but starting in North America. And today with us to help us understand this topic a bit more is Margot Goodson, Head of Diversity and Inclusion for North America. Margot, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi there, David. Thanks for having me.
0: Glad to have you on board. And with the start of every single one of these podcasts, we always want to get the hero's origin story. Where are you from? How did you find yourself as the professional you are today?
1: Oh, wow. That's a big question. Where I'm from, originally North Philadelphia and born and raised part of my life and then Willingboro, New Jersey, and then went to an HBCU. And so I've, I've had quite the journey and been it's been ups and downs, good things and bad things, of course, as all of us probably have experienced. And how I found myself here is a lot of uh, hard work, goodwill, and people in my corner throughout my life. You know, um, being raised by a single mother after my Father passed. She really did provide for us. I felt like we didn't really know we wanted and needed when we did, but then that gave me a lot of uh, opportunity for education, you know, formal education as well as informal education and certifications, and that uh, brought me through my collegiate career and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure you've got questions specific to it, but you know, going to Hampton University, which I consider the best HBCU around, availed me so much, and I had great work experiences. Technology always seemed to touch everything, even back when it wasn't as prominent as it is today. And learning and growing through those various methodologies enabled me to have a, a fresh start way back in 1990 with Coopers and Library, as it were. And then from there, many, many different work experiences that led me to tech, you know, using tech in the ways that we had in each company and mm-hmm. then specifically getting at SAP now 16 years, five roles, three different board areas and enjoying my passion is my profession as North America head of diversity and inclusion.
0: Very cool. Was there a specific spark or inspiration that you had in your childhood that led you down the academic path? So like when when you were leaving high school, did you have an idea what you wanted to do?
1: (laughs) I thought I did. So I was in Girl Scouts coming up and Girl Scouts availed you too much, uh, different experiences and such. And so I was taking this, Tech class back then it was like cobalt and Fortran. <laughs> Mr. Mugglesworth. Now I'm like, oh, I'm going into IT. But then I took a, a an accounting class where we were kind of the owners of this cycle center project, and it did it did leverage a little bit of technology and it leveraged a lot of business acumen. And so I actually set out to be an accounting major. Went to the University and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be a CPA, I'm gonna have my own firm, and that's the route I'm going. I'm gonna integrate my technology information and knowledge along with what I was learning from the business side and the law side, I had a lot of business law classes that I really, really enjoyed. And so that's what I set out to be. And I did. I got my CPA license, I worked in public accounting the required two years, you know, I went that path through banking and healthcare and those sorts of things. So I came out of school believing that I knew what I wanted to do for a lifetime because numbers were my passion, but people were also always my passion. So that was what started me on the road to technology from high school, looking onward to what I wanted to do in college and beyond.
0: Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Oftentimes I hear people, which is normally changing the course over the course of life, just having different interests and stuff like that. But, um, I personally, I'm, I'm of the opinion that it's, always, it's it's very important at a minimum to complete the current course of study, get your certification, get your diploma, get whatever it is you're initially pursuing before changing course, just so you have that nice extra thing to show for yourself on, yes. on the CV. So, really cool that um, you follow through with the CPA part. You got a, your foot into the door there. You start your career there. You got some professional experience. And then when you decide to pivot and move towards something else, You already have um, some good experience under your belt, some certifications as well.
1: Even to the extent of being self-employed, I got my Six Sigma Green Belt along with my CPA license and decided that I wanted to be self-employed for a little while. Um, I took a career break, as many do, to raise family and such, and Mm -hmm. decided when I came back, I wanted my own hours. So I consulted for four years. And that's where also having my undergraduate degree, Bachelor of Science, plus having the certification as a CPA, and then now the Six Sigma Green Belt certification that enabled me to do even more in the consulting line of work and being self-employed. It's funny that sometimes people feel like it's a pivot, but as long as it's aligned with your career journey, it can help make you more marketable as you embark on those different ambitions and, and learning operations that are available.
0: Outstanding. So in the spirit of the the goal of the podcast, would you say that you found yourself at a significant disadvantage growing up or did you consider that you've moved up uh, through the socioeconomic over the course of your life?
1: I would definitely say I moved up. I would say I did start out feeling a significant disadvantage. You know, um, the surroundings that I was in in North Philadelphia, that it didn't feel like there was a lot of opportunity when I looked around at, at, at some of the circumstances. However, I did see a lot of hardworking people and I understood very early that if you had talent and abilities and you worked hard, it could potentially lead you along the way. And um, based on my grades and academic success, I was placed in an academically talented program, which gave us different access to different Mm -hmm. workshops and and, and, uh, leaders that helped us to understand how to grow within our network of peers, as well as mentors and sponsors, even at an early age. So I feel like I did have some disadvantage in the beginning. But then my mother moved us to a new neighborhood in New Jersey, in Willembro, New Jersey. And I was exposed to different programs. I was a part of this club called the to Women, which was a business club. And I started to see how just finally academics could make a difference in what you were able to do. I was able to get a job. I was working at McDonald's in high school. And then that taught me about others who had internships at the collegiate level. So that really helped me too. So climbing up the socioeconomic ladder came from, you know, working and going to school simultaneously, having internships at at, at uh, orthopharmaceutical and being the first in my class to get an offer for after college at Cooper's and Library, and I was able to secure that. And every job I had, I made sure I did two things outside of my core role that gave me exposure to the people in the company, which then also impacted my compensation, right? When, when you, when you're doing more and you're involved and you're visible, you get lateral moves, you get upward moves and that impacts your compensation, your bonus structure and things of that nature that do allow you to climb up the socioeconomic ladder. And I will say, I, I never thought I'd send all three of my kids to private high school and already put two through college with one in 11th grade about to go soon. It has definitely benefited me, you know, and it enables me to give back give back very heavily financially and of my time and my church and community. So certainly while I may have started out in somewhat of a disadvantage, I wouldn't say extremely significant, but somewhat of a disadvantage, I'm grateful and blessed by all the things that I've been able to do over the years as I climbed that through the corporate ladder, sometimes upward, sometimes lateral, we have to be open for that. Um, But then also just in some ancillary investments and things that I was able to do that you learn from the different exposures along the years.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, really important to look outside of what's familiar, maybe, and draw yes. inspiration from uh, what other people are doing, and maybe putting together your own your own map from different places of the world that you've experienced and seen. For uh,
1: sure. Mm-hmm.
0: And w- when when somebody is is approaching academia, so going back to like the the transition, jumping from high school to university, me personally, myself, um, I was amongst the first to to actually achieve a college education in my family.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I
0: joined the U.S. Army. They paid for it. And um, I found myself at a at a private university in Germany, surrounded by a lot of very wealthy students who, what I felt like, were sort of groomed from very early childhood to be in this university environment and sort of felt like a, a fish out of water, so to speak. And this was a really intimidating experience for me uh, at the time. And I think it'll vary a lot according to one's circumstances. Would you be able to share any tips for people facing this prospect for the first time, like jumping into this alien world of tweed sweaters and a uh, tweed jackets and uh well-to-do students to your, to your left and your right?
1: Well, it can be quite daunting and scary to start a new chapter of life in any way. I won't say that I had the same experience as did you with you know uh, buttoned up folks as you described them, but I do know that. It was like a fish out of water for me that my mother and father didn't go to college. And, you know, this was new territory for me. My uncle on my aunt's married side of the family had to help me to navigate even getting into college. And I can certainly say that I was at Hampton University and there were a lot of students who looked like me, but had different experiences. And they did come from families who had already been through college and such. So I think just being courageous about your efforts, being persistent, to not give up know that learning comes in different shapes right and so you want to get that degree you want to get extra learning on the side some tutoring things like that you want to leverage your peer network and your, your teachers and professors you want to lean on mentors coaches sponsors as much as possible even at the collegiate level you know it's it's something to be said for following through with your dreams and not giving up right You want to make sure you're taking classes that are offered by university, but looking for those outside certifications. I mean, let's face it, college isn't for everyone. So sometimes you can get that academic uh, learning and be in a continuous learning mode in other ways in certifications like we have here and certifications like community organizations operate with. We used to do a, a volunteer tax service as part of our accounting rotation. In the community. And that helped us learn how to do the taxes even better because we were learning it in class and applying it out in the community. So look for those various ways of achieving that academic rigor and excellence and to be visible because that's going to help you with your journey as well. Work study is another way to help when you're in that collegiate world, making that transition. Not every school offers that, but in North America, a lot of the colleges and universities do. So you can also leverage that as a way of getting more familiar in your settings and offering something to the community and then even getting paid for that if or applied to your college uh, tuition. So those are all different ways of learning and navigating the space while you're in college. And it actually looks good in setting you up for what you'll do outside of college. Just like when you're in high school, you're trying to bolster up all the activities you're a part of and learnings that you have and credentials that you're gaining to get you into that college of choice. Likewise. In college, you want to do the same thing and bolster up your resume for when you're looking for that first job.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. So, so instead of maybe being intimidated by these folks that you you maybe not have so much to common by, um, use them as a source of inspiration. You can learn from them. Um, again, um, as you stated before, uh, look outward for inspiration. Don't necessarily compare yourself. Don't try to be like other people, but take what you like from from what they're doing, piece it together, and make your own path.
1: You have to have your own motivators, right? We're, we're all driven yeah. by different things. And I, you hear people say your network is your net worth. You want to deposit into it, make contributions and withdraw from it. But your path is your own path. And no one can tell you that's right or wrong. I've had to take some steps backwards and sideways to get where I am today. But I am i was never afraid to do that, right? Fear can be immobilizing. And so to not let that happen, and it's easier said than done, but to be inspired, motivated, and educated and know that you can do perhaps that too in a different version makes a huge difference.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. And another challenge that maybe folks from different parts of the socioeconomic spectrum don't necessarily have to deal with is uh, financial management, dealing with money. People have a a wide range of experiences of what they're taught about money as little kids. I was not raised in a wealthy family by any um, measure, but um, one thing, I was taught uh, was a very quite the quite simple principle of never spending more than you make. And that alone was already a huge help for, for me to make myself uh, independent in the world fairly early.
1: I didn't get that memo so early. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. So so I'm probably asking the right person then uh if you have any 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 tips out there for people who uh are coming from a place without money and um maybe they do everything that y- you described and land their first job. And this is the first time they have a real a decent income. This is the first time they're not necessarily wor- just worrying about making their rent and getting groceries that they maybe have a little bit extra coming in. Do you have any any, any tips or, or insider thoughts that you could share uh, with people who are experiencing a surplus income for the first time in their lives and their career on sure. what they should, should, should and should not do maybe?
1: I will say should or should not because that's obligatory. However, I will say it could benefit you if, right? If okay. you didn't get into credit card debt too quickly, if you pay off your student loans as quickly as possible, if you have any, if you put that, put aside that percentage of savings, you know, upfront and you don't even mm-hmm. see it, you know, and then, and, and give, give out, you know, as you're, And to whom much is given, much is required. So really, you know, trying to make donations and things like that, but saving, investing, and and putting aside your living money being very strategic about it. To your point, try not to outspend your earnings. It looks like a lot on the paycheck until they take out all your... Taxes and benefits and <laughs> things like that. And you start paying your normal bills. So you want to make sure that you're being a little bit savvy about it. You know, um, if your companies offer 401k at a minimum, get into that. If they offer, you know, additional financial advisory services Vanguard or Fidelity or whomever, do that as well, right? You know, not advertising anybody. But I just remember back when I was in Cooper's in library and Library, we worked a ton and we had a whole bunch of extra hours and compensation and things like that. And it was new to us. And we were excited about that money. And so you want to make sure that you are leveraging it for your ability to succeed in life, but not being frivolous with it. Because anything can happen to that source of income at any given time, as we see in the economy and things like that. So you want to make sure that you are being strategic. So savings investing, and then you're living money. You're setting that aside in your 10, 10, 80, whatever percentage that you feel best. Uh, but for sure, pay down that credit card debt if you have it as soon as possible. Pay down student loans if you have it as soon as possible. And plan, plan for your future, plan for your future. Don't miss out on matches that, that companies may give, whether that's in the 401k match or donation matches that you may give out. And don't try to save everybody around you. Because that unfortunately comes in, it too. If you come from a, a background where maybe everybody didn't have a lot, you may find yourself trying to take care of everyone around you. And for sure, you want to help, is again, to whom much is given, much is required. Yet you don't want to overextend and put yourself at a detriment. Because if you can't help yourself, then it makes it harder for you to help others. So I don't know. Those, those are the things that come to mind when I think about it from a financial aspect.
0: Outstanding advice. Yeah. And I, I hope those folks who listen there can follow that cuz it's 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 critical to not saddle yourself with so much debt no matter how much you're making um if you're under the the yoke of massive student debt or or other sort of debt um i guess a house debt is probably acceptable house mortgage is probably one of the few things you should be uh paying off as a credit but no matter how much you're making if if you're saddled with a massive amount of debt that's it's just overwhelming um you you still have not achieved financial freedom regardless of what your paycheck says
1: And even with houses, use them for for investment purposes if you can, right? I mean, people make a lot of money off of real estate investment when it comes to houses. So,
0: indeed, spend money to make money in that respect. (laughs) All right. The the next one I wanted to to touch on, and this one is is wide ranging and everybody's experience has been radically different. That's the one that's the topic of of bias. So, all it takes is like your name, appearance, or other characteristic to be judged negatively. Mm -hmm. Um, That could lead to unfair treatment and in the schoolhouse, it could lead to unfair treatment at, at job interviews, at work. It's often, it could be difficult to detect. And maybe I was wondering, how can you figure out if your negative experience was just a matter of your personalities not clicking, or maybe your skill set's not matching, or what if you are actually being discriminated against? What should somebody do if they're not sure? How does one know? <laughs>
1: You know, bias doesn't make us wrong. It makes us human, right? So we could Mm -hmm. be on a receiving end of it, or we could unconsciously be one doing it to someone else, right? You can have bias towards someone in a very favorable way, but then you can have negative bias against people. And of course, I've uh, lived all of those Mm -hmm. positively and negatively. What do you do? You know, you walk in your truth, right? So if someone has a negative bias against you, you want to show them the opposite of what they think. So if someone thinks less of you, you want to show your excellence. If you're not sure if they're saying it, question them. If you think what someone said to you is a bias, call them on the carpet. I- I'll never forget when I was working at Cooper's and Library, and I was handling my clients very well. Ryan and Jean Carter said to me as I wore my hair very nicely and done well all the time by the hairdresser, but it was an asymmetrical haircut at the time. He said, grow out one side or cut the other. You're not going to start clients like that. That was a biased statement. I was in the buttoned up three piece blue, black, brown suit, gray every week that they wanted. And, uh, but my hair was an issue for them. And today there's Crown Act and things like that around hair. Like it doesn't determine the person's ability to do their job, but that's something that is usually a little bit more detectable. Um, sometimes there are biases around your zip code, what school you went to. I did Mm. a lot of that, you know, around I went to an HBCU. When everybody tries to get into our HBCUs, even if they're not historically black themselves, right? And that's historically black college university. They see that education is just as good, just doesn't cost as much. So there have been some people who, oh, I'd rather Ivy League, I'd rather this school or that school. And there's nothing wrong with people having preferences, but it is if you're using it to disadvantage someone's experiences and opportunities for the workplace because of where they went to school. If they've secured that degree, they are, you know, proven that they're teachable and such. So, when you ask the question of, you know, how to navigate through them, I, I say, kill them with kindness. <laughs> you know, be courteous and and, and courageous in the, in the walk, but then also be strategic. If, if it's happening in a professional setting, you know, there is growth that comes with getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, and so sometimes you have to get uncomfortable to let individuals understand if they've offended you, yet. You want to be professional about it. So I would say that you're going to experience it, whether it is based on age, whether it's based on gender, uh, sexual orientation, religion, ethnicity, you're going to face it and you may lodge it against others. So awareness, learning as much as you can, you know, using some of our own digital cheetah learnings and things like that, digital platform and such. Uh, we have inclusive mindset challenges, for example, that we leverage here at SAP. You know, when you go through the learnings and programs that you even teach from a digital skills initiative perspective, you start to see that, yeah, everybody can learn these skills, right? And and that it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status, your gender, your ethnicity, your undergraduate school if you've gone to a university, but it matters the education that you're experiencing and learning inside and outside of the workplace or academia, and that those things can help conquer bias.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, for those folks, so you use the term "killing people with kindness" and and just sort of moving on with your best uh, foot forward, for folks who maybe have a, a negative enough experience where they're having trouble actually letting something go, and maybe are are letting their temper or a negative emotion getting the best of them when they feel they've been unjustly treated. Do you have any words of advice for people who maybe need to uh, de-escalate? Their potential unprofessional or negative reaction to an experience such as being uh, discriminated against?
1: I can tell you what I do to deescalate. I okay. take a deep breath, say a little prayer, may have to go on a, a walk. I've been on calls where something happens and I immediately turn off the camera and the um, put the mute on, right? To, to deal with it within myself. Again, it, we're human. So sometimes things do hurt and you do get angry and upset. It's okay to excuse yourself from that situation than to do something that's going to put you or that other person in a worse situation from a professional perspective. You know, I advise people to understand their own triggers and perhaps not, you know, do the best they can to not get into some scenarios. Sometimes we put our own selves in the way of friendly fire and, and, and other things that happen and, and we don't realize. So I think when we find ourselves in those situations and we've escalated and then also know, you know, to to calm down, but then also know if you have reporting mechanisms and systems in place within the company or within the academia to report what has happened to you and to have maybe um, intervention in that process. Right. And so you have that ability in some scenarios to have a mediator, if you will, to help go through different scenarios with you. Uh, we have a lot of learnings even internally around, is it okay? And such, and then being able to go to an UMSBuds or a people compliance person. So there are ways that you can maybe get yourself out of that situation in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Deep breath, shut off the camera, walk away. If it's in person, come back to them, you know, ask, you know, this really did bother me, and I want to make sure you meant it as you said it before I address it in that way, and, and and then then go from there. We we have to remember, particularly in professional settings, it's not personal; it's business. And if somebody attacks you personally, you have the right to have a remedy from a business perspective. And if it's in your personal life, then you may handle it a little bit differently. But I do still encourage de-escalating one oneself. First is important. We can only Mm -hmm. control the controllables. So I really can't control what you do or how you act, (laughs) but I can control how I respond. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, sounds good.
1: Deep breath, walk away, shut off camera, (laughs) mute if you're online, right? And for me, take a walk or pray. But whatever works for you as a de-escalation mode is definitely better than getting yourself in trouble at work or, or even worse, out in the personal life where it might be a legal situation that comes about. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, great advice. To take things back a little bit towards the beginning of the podcast, when we talked about going into like the alien environment of, of a university, um, surrounded by people who maybe have um, a significant head start in life, so they were probably groomed towards a particular path that you haven't had, what are some learning resources you would recommend for people to take advantage of in order to compensate for that head start and uh, maybe even achieve parity uh, with those peers that are in a more privileged position, for example, what, what, what are some courses... Directions in life that you can take, resources that you can use to try to achieve parity.
1: You know, I think some of the basic things like reading books, Mm. right? (laughs) That's a big one that you can help to learn and grow and understand even what's out there. Taking courses like our digital skills initiative and things where they're free, they're online, you know, understanding what's available to you. That's a big deal. You know, looking at community service organizations that offer these types of learnings too is a big deal. Getting actual certification. So I have my CPA, my Six Sigma Green Belt, my Certified Diversity Executive license. Like there are licensures you can get. You can go back to school for additional degrees. I think in today's world, the best recommendation is leveraging technology. Whether that's a, a YouTube class. I know my son has taught himself to do many things on there, and he has a college degree. You know. Um, whether it's it is a, a podcast, right? Like this is mm-hmm. learning from, you know, if it's the traditional ways of learning, all of those can add value to even the playing field. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling somewhat as a disadvantage and I went to people in my circle who I felt like, hey, have you encountered this before? What are you doing? How can I do the same, right? So never underestimate the the power of those people in your circle and those conversations as well. But today's resources, I'd say our learning and certifications, whether it's digital skills initiatives, open.sap.com, whether it's a podcast, YouTube, those types of things. But certainly look for multiple ways of learning Uh as companies now are having multiple pathways initiatives to get in the door. Before it was a fast, hard requirement to have a college degree. Today, it's it's good to have a college degree. Yes, and there are other ways that you can elevate your level of education to even a playing field and be on par and and bring about parity in terms of the opportunities that will be available to you in getting educated. And then being a continuous learner. So even once you do have it, and you're achieving your initial baseline level of parity in the workplace or in the entrepreneurial experience, that you are also a continuous learner and advancing your career.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, internet search is free. Uh, YouTube is free. Um, most of this stuff is at one's fingertips. SAP has gotten the memo. We're starting to put our learning content out there for free on learning.sap.com. So I, I I hope that the availability of, the, of these resources um, could help I guess people in all societies reach parity with um, what those who are born with more uh, already get.
1: And I can say, as head of North American Diversity and Inclusion, I've been very intentional to work with our ecosystem internally and externally, and our other DNI practitioners to really force this information. Out that we have from SAP from a digital learning perspective at the high school level Mm -hmm. and the college level, right? Because we have to get there younger and younger. I mean, we even met with some middle schoolers a few weeks back and we're going to be hosting some next week. Um, It's really important to get in front of the the students earlier because if they feel like they have a shot at being on parity, you know, being on par with others and bringing parity about in their lives and advancing themselves outside of their current circumstances, that's very important, right? Mm -hmm. Earlier in their life.
0: And, and specific to um, to SAP, and it's, you mentioned a digital skills initiative, Open SAP. What is your tips or what are your what is your advice to folks on who are on the outside who um, don't even know what SAP is to start and maybe consider entering the SAP ecosystem? What, what would be some of the first steps somebody should take?
1: Go visit the website, <laughs> 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 register for for some of the courses that we are offering for free and boot camps and things that are out there joining our talent community. Um, if you're in college, you know, taking some tech classes and courses, but I will say I've been at SAP 16 years. I'm, I'm not a tech person, but I'm at a tech company. So understanding transferable skills, you mm-hmm. know, joining our talent community, going to the website, coming to our events and activities that you see that might be opening community um, for sure, signing up for our free boot camps and classes and things like that that are offered, You know, looking at some of our schools. Our, we have a university alliances programs where our SAP curriculum is actually taught in some of the colleges and universities. So that's another way in that people don't always realize if they can take advantage of that out there in the ecosystem, that that's something that would get them even closer to an opportunity at SAP. And then again, leveraging your network and understanding the, the process to, to join our talent community and upload your resume and get some, some advice around where you can use your transferable skills and being persistent, Uh being persistent. But I love the boot camps and things are being offered because that's going to give people, even if they're not students, but even professionals are looking to advance their careers and pivot their academic learnings and such to, to advance the skill sets make themselves more marketable, and that'll help them get in SAP. And of course, working at our customers and partners, that, that's something that I've seen people do to help get themselves closer to SAP. I've met a woman who had been trying to get into SAP for years, and um, she ended up doing so by way of working at a partner for a little while and then come in SAP. So I'll say there's many roads mm-hmm. to the journey and many experiences that one can have.
0: Okay, Excellent. As we approach the end of the podcast, uh, I always want to and maybe possibly go into Q and A. So we have a couple people on as guests here. I always want to collect some some final words of wisdom for our listeners out there who mm-hmm. might be interested in in joining SAP the SAP ecosystem or, or just are trying to trying to get ahead um, or whatever endeavor that they're currently uh, pursuing. Um, what would be your 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 words of advice to them
1: out there? So my words of advice would be to be open to opportunities. They mm-hmm. come in different ways, shapes, and sizes, right? Be aware of challenges and be adaptive to those challenges and changes and circumstances that you're, you might face. Um, another thing I would say is identify your own motivators and drivers, making sure that they are aligned with your long-term trajectory and that you're on course to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a personal board of directors, so both you know uh, internal and externally, pers- personally and professionally is very important. And that being a continuous learner, I want to come back to that, because I think that is so very important to understand that, you you know, you learn on the job, you learn with formal training, you learn ad hoc. And then lastly, I think, you know, when you think about climbing a ladder of any sort, you want to, in the career world, I'll say, you want to know that there is more than one way to reach the top. So Mm -hmm. you, you move upward, you can move sideways, you know, you think about a rock climbing wall. There's a lot of different ways to get to the top. So I think understanding that and navigating that and being willing to go through those different moves up, down and sideways will go a long way to achieving your goals. Yeah,
0: and not not being deterred when you need to take a detour sometimes.
1: No, not at all. It's just a new way. Awesome. <laughs> all
0: right, so thank you, Margo, for your time and your expertise and your experience in sharing your story.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, Until next time, everybody, thanks for listening and have a great day. Bye.
1: Save it. Bye-bye.